Thank you so much, Kira. It's a blessing to see how um, God has been able to use her and, and um, how she has not allowed any physical limitations to interfere with um, her desire to share Jesus with others. So thank you so much. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, open our minds and our understanding as we open your word. We want to see Jesus. Amen. Amen. It was the day after Thanksgiving, a day in which American society has come to know as Black Friday. Do I dare venture out, I wondered. Earlier in the week, I had stopped by Walmart to get my oil changed. And there I noticed in the center bay of the uh, Walmart Auto Center, large pallets shrink-wrapped in black. Forklifts were scurrying back and forth, moving merchandise off semi-trucks. What's this all about, I asked one of the attendants there. Oh, he says, we're gearing up for Black Friday. Tell me more, I inquired. Well, he said, at 5 o'clock Friday morning, he says, the doors are going to open. And all this merchandise is going to be out on the floor, and people are going to find super-duper bargains. Nobody knows what's underneath these uh, black shrink-wrapped pallets, but he says there's going to be some great values for sure. I dreaded the thought of going out on Black Friday. I had a pastoral visit that I needed to make on the other side of town. I certainly didn't want to go through the middle of town. I knew that it would be horrific traffic. So I decided to take some back roads. Unfortunately, in the process of calculating my trip, I failed to realize that these back roads were going to go past a major strip mall. As I approached the mall, traffic began to slow down, and then it finally came to a complete halt. What could be going on, I wondered. Soon I saw flashing blue lights. And no, it was not a Kmart blue light special. I wondered, what's happening? Flashing blue lights were police officers who were directing traffic so that people could find a place to park. Because parking at the mall was a premium. And I said, man, this is insane. What am I doing out here? Later that day, out of necessity, I found myself back at Walmart. And so as I was going through the checkout line, I, I asked the attendant, I says, wow, what was it like this morning? He says, oh, man. He says, it was unbelievable. He says, you should have seen it. He says, at 5 o'clock in the morning, he says, the doors open. People came rushing in. It was a madhouse. And I said, no, thanks. Black Friday. According to the National Retail Federation, 
nearly 134 million consumers hit the stores this past Black Friday, November 28. While that figure is down compared to last year, that's astounding considering that the population of the United States is a mere 316 million. So if you do the calculations, you'll discover that 40% of the U.S. population was out shopping on Black Friday. Some of them were you. Black Friday has served as the unofficial beginning of the Christmas holiday season for several years now. Originally, it was a day when many retailers would open very early in the morning and they would offer doorbuster bargains to kind of kickstart the holiday season, draw people into their stores, get them out to spend the buck. The term Black Friday has been traced back to the early 1970s and was a term that was used to describe the horrific traffic that happened on that Friday after Thanksgiving as shoppers were out to begin the Christmas holiday season. With Black Friday creeping into Thanksgiving itself, it has become an event, not a day. Here are some interesting pieces on Black Friday 2014. You might find them amusing. The Mall of America in Minneapolis had a record crowd of 100,000 shoppers in a three-hour period from 10 p.m. Thanksgiving night until 1 o'clock Friday morning. Did you get that? 100,000 people out at that hour. Thanksgiving night and Black Friday morning. Target reported selling nationwide an estimated 1,800, 1,800 televisions per hour. And perhaps some of you heard about the fist fight that broke out at a coal store here in Southern California between two women and uh, several people were actually hospitalized because of that craziness. And then perhaps you heard about stores in Colorado that were um, stores in Colorado that were uh, offering deals on marijuana in what they have now dubbed as Green Friday. And then there were 15,000 people, 15,000 people who lined up outside of Macy's in downtown New York City in Manhattan. They lined there Thanksgiving night. Many of them left their turkey still sitting at the table as they rushed down to get Black Friday deals. 15,000 people in line. People camped out at days in advance at Best Buys and other big, big box stores across the nation waiting for Black Friday deals. And, and some of you may have even heard about uh, the guy over in the San Fernando Valley that was camped out at a Best Buy and the Santa Ana winds came and blew his tent away. I sure felt sorry for him. There were people that were fighting over televisions. 
They were laying, actually laying themselves. I don't know if you can see this picture. This guy's laying on this box, this television, making sure that he's going to get it. It's absolute craziness. And then there was this guy that needed help out. He and his family bought six televisions at Best Buy. Six? For crying out loud, what are you going to do with six TVs? We're talking about mayhem, friends. Mayhem everywhere. And finally, you've got to see this video. Take a look at this. It's craziness. Here are these people. Uh, they've all got televisions and other stuff. If you can look and, and, and focus on certain parts of the video, you'll actually see people pushing and shoving each other, uh, trying to make sure that they get what they came to get. Absolutely crazy. All of this, friends, all of this, just to save a few bucks. And I ask myself the question, don't people have anything better to do with their time? But you know, if Black Friday wasn't enough, along came Cyber Monday. All of the online retailers were offering their specials, Amazon.com. Overstock.com, Zappos.com, Sierra Trading Post, it just goes on and on, all of these, TigerDirect.com, Newegg.com, and B&H Photo offering their specials, and I like this one, Diapers.com, we deliver everything but the baby. With the advent of the internet, online retailing, the Monday after Thanksgiving has become known as Cyber Monday. It's the online retailer's version of Black Friday. And according, again, to the National Retail Federation, this past Monday, Cyber Monday, more than 126 million consumers did Christmas shopping online. Wow. Okay. So what's the point, preacher? What's the point to all this? And what does the Antichrist have to do with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even Christmas for that matter? I'd like to direct your attention to a passage of Scripture. Jesus talking with his disciples just before his crucifixion. Matthew chapter 24. And we want to notice here the words of Christ. Jesus predicts that last day imposters are going to come. I like the way the message puts it. So let me read it from this paraphrase. If anyone tries to flag you down, calling out, here's the Messiah, or points, there he is, don't fall for it. Fake Messiahs are going to pop up everywhere. Their impressive credentials and dazzling performances will pull the wool over the eyes of even those who ought to know better. But I've given you fair warning. I did some research on the word antichrist in a number of Bible dictionaries and commentaries. And while the word antichrist only appears four times in Scripture, these verses in Matthew 24 are among those believed to refer to the antichrist. As Adventists, with our strong emphasis on Bible prophecy, We've spent considerable time on this subject. 
In fact, we preached numerous sermons, evangelistic messages about the coming Antichrist. And I've done my own share of that as well. Nearly 30 years ago, when I was holding an evangelistic series in the small town of Pinedale, Wyoming, right south of Jackson Hole and right on the Wind River uh, Range, I couldn't help but notice a sign posted there in a local church near where I was holding the meetings. And this local community church was studying Bible prophecy, and they indicated that that coming Sunday, they were going to be studying the subject of the Antichrist. It, it piqued my interest, and I thought, man, I want to go. I want to check it out. I want to hear what they have to say. Who are they identifying as the Antichrist? Their theories were interesting. They named all kinds of names, political leaders, all kinds of stuff. This is the Antichrist, you know. But you know what? I didn't find a single one of them to be biblically based. A few weeks ago, an advertisement came to the church office, was also in the Acorn. Some of you may have seen it. The local Christadelphian congregation was featuring a presentation on a Saturday evening on the identity of the Antichrist. Pastor Chuck and I went to uh, hear that presentation. Listen to this guy passionately pour his heart out for an hour on the identity of the Antichrist. And it was interesting to discover that the Christadelphians share our same historicist biblical hermeneutic that coincides with that of the Reformation movement. They don't believe in the futuristic interpretations of Hal Lindsey or Tim LaHaye or other dispensational theologians who teach that the Antichrist will make his debut during a coming seven-year tribulation. I found it interesting that while the Christadelphians share a similar biblical hermeneutic with Adventists, they believe the Antichrist is anyone who espouses the doctrine of the Trinity. Now that's their identity of, of the Antichrist. There are no end to the theories of who is the Antichrist. Uh, I picked this up off the internet. I thought this was interesting. People who believe that there's an Antichrist baby who's soon to come and says, I have arrived, Christians. Be afraid. Be very afraid. So who or what is the Antichrist? And again I ask, what does it have to do with Christmas? Let's take a look for a moment at the four biblical references to the Antichrist. The only biblical author to actually use that term is the Apostle John. So let's take a look at the first reference that he makes. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. It's believed by most scholars that John wrote this epistle in the late 80s or early 90s of the first century. And notice the language he uses. He says, little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So listen to his language. He uses that term, last hour. He uses the term, you have heard. Where had this concept been proclaimed before? 
I believe John is referring back to his encounter with Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. And then the Apostle Paul adds this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, and the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. While the Apostle Paul doesn't use the word antichrist, he is clearly referring to someone who stands in opposition to God. So let's go back to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. And, and, and let's notice what the Apostle John says. Little children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have come. Now again, when did he write this? He wrote this at the end, towards the end of the first century A.D. And he said even at that time, many Antichrists had already come. Let's notice also now what he says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22. Who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. John actually identifies the Antichrist. We don't have to speculate about the identity of the Antichrist. We don't have to sit around and say, well, is it this political leader? Is it this religious leader? No. John the Apostle, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, identifies the Antichrist. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. He who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Let's notice John's other two references to the Antichrist. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard from uh, was coming and is now already in the world. There are many people, many, many Christians today, many modern uh, mainline evangelical Christians who are focusing on Antichrist as someone yet to come. They see him as a being that's going to come during the seven-year time of tribulation. But a failure to fully understand the scripture will lead one to come to those kinds of conclusions, and yet the scripture clearly says back when John wrote this, that the Antichrist now is already in the world. So, let's take a look at what else John has to say in 2 John 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Notice what he says, do not confess that Jesus Christ is coming, has come in the flesh. The Greek word Christos, Christ, means anointed one. What was Christ anointed to do? Let's notice what Luke chapter 4 says. 
So he came to Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Notice these things. I've underlined them. These were the purposes why Jesus came. To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. A denial that Jesus is the Christ is a denial of his ability to liberate us from the bondage of sin. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 records this. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people, what? From their sins. Save his people from their sins. Too often we fail to realize that Christ came to save us from our sins. We keep on waddling in the muck and the mire of sin, but Jesus came to save us from our sins. Christ came to save us from our sins so that we can live a victorious Christian life in Him. Amen? Amen. So how does God plan for us to live that victorious Christian life? God's plan for us is to have victory through Jesus by accepting his death, which frees us from the bondage of sin, and by accepting his perfect life to live in us and sanctify us. The word Christ means the anointed one. So then if the word Christ means the anointed one, what about Christmas? Christ, Mass, I believe, means the celebration of the anointed one. And all that he came to do. Friends, the reality is that anything we worship that takes the place of a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ is Antichrist. And so rather than spending all of our time focusing on other people, on political leaders, on religious leaders, on, on events and all of this kind of stuff as Antichrist, let's start taking some responsibility and realize that each and every one of us can be guilty of that spirit of Antichrist if we deny his ability and his power to give us victory in our lives. So how does all this play out with Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Am I saying that it's a sin to go shopping, Christmas shopping? Am I condemning anyone in our church family included that went shopping on Black Friday or Cyber Monday? I'd have to condemn my wife. She went and stood in one of those lines. Am I saying that the celebration of Christmas itself is antichrist? No, as a matter of fact, I'm not. 
But here's the caveat. It can be. If we worship the stuff of Christmas more than the Christ of Christmas, friends, that's Antichrist. So how should we respond? We all know the reality of the holiday shopping frenzy. So here are a few important questions we ought to be asking ourselves this holiday season. Are we spending as much time flocking to Jesus as we are to the mall? Are we spending more time searching for pocketbook savings than we are searching for the bargain of salvation? Which I might add is the best deal in history coming in at a whopping price of zero, zippo, nada. Many of us like to talk about the great bargains that we got while shopping. We want to talk about bargains. But you know what? If you want to talk about bargains, let me tell you about Jesus. Are we spending more time in search of that doorbuster bargain that'll be tomorrow's throwaway than a search for a relationship with Christ? What if this holiday season we got up early every morning to worship Jesus, the King of Kings, and experience his gift of salvation to us? Listen to this Christmas version of 1 Corinthians 13. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shiny balls, but do not have love for Jesus and others, I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not have love for Jesus and others. I'm just another cook. If I work at a soup kitchen, carol in a nursing home, and give all that I have to charity, but do not have love for Jesus and others, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes, Attend a myriad of holiday parties, sing in the choir's uh, a cantata, and get the best holiday bargains at the mall, but do not focus on Christ. I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the kids. Love sets a time aside uh, the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love puts Jesus before the shopping. Love is kind, though harried and tired. Love doesn't envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. Love doesn't yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful they are there to love. Love doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who can't. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Barbie dolls, 
will soon be forgotten. Video games will break. iPods will get lost. Golf clubs will rust. But giving love is the greatest gift and will endure forever. Our societal culture demands and places expectations on us that frequently smacks of our spiritual journey. Are we willing to be countercultural? Are we willing to be like the wise men who some 2,000 years ago set out on a journey not to the local stuff mart, but to the lowly manger of Bethlehem to worship the Messiah? This Christmas season, as a church family, let's create our own holiday frenzy as we worship the greatest gift giver ever, the one who gave himself for us and is soon to come. Soon, my friends, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Amen? Amen. Let's sing that great song again. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king.
Yes, we're going to see the King. We'll see Jesus there. We are going to see the King. We'll see Jesus there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. You believe it? Soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. Heavenly Father, we live in a crazy world. Somehow we've gotten our priorities all mixed up. Priorities that have us placing things above you. That we're more concerned about that doorbuster bargain than we are about picking up your word and spending time connecting with you. And so, Lord, we're giving you permission today to rearrange our priorities because we believe that soon and very soon we are going to see the King. And we not only want to see that King, but we want to spend forever with Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So, Lord, prepare our hearts each and every day to be ready. And may none of us be guilty here of the spirit of Antichrist in denying the power that you have and long to give us. Thank you for the victory that we can have in Jesus. And at last, Lord, may our eyes rest upon you when we see you coming and live with you forever. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.